dude, let's let's make our clothes and let's hug for an hour. Yeah. You are listening to We Are The Stigma, a show about an addict husband and alcoholic wife challenging stigmas one at a time. We'll be chatting with like-minded individuals using honesty, open-mindedness, and humor. Thanks for listening. Our episodes deal with potentially triggering topics. We are not doctors and the opinions expressed are our own. If at any time you feel the need for support, please contact your local crisis center. For more information, visit wearethestigma.com slash resources. Hey guys, you're listening to We Are The Stigma. My name is Melissa, and as always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Cody Kreutz. Hey, babe. Hi, honey. What's happening? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Living the dream? Living the dream life. Living the dream life. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah, things are good. Things are, everything's good. I've been very emotional lately. You have been been, so emotional lately. Very emotional. (laughs) Oh my God, you guys. It's an emotional roller coaster in my life right now. We watched like a commercial for like this healthy, people get healthy or something, this diagnosis hey, TV yeah, show. It's, it wasn't people just getting healthy. It was people with diagnoses and issues <laughs> that they didn't. Well, I don't even I don't even really know how to explain it. It was it was a it was a touching thing. But Cody was like, there was a tear. <laughs> I was it was very I was very happy for these people from the 45 seconds of the trailer that I watched. <laughs> it's good. You're like, you can't cry, man. Yeah, I, it's just a commercial. Anyway, so yeah, you've been really you know what started it? What? A Star is Born. Starsborn wrecked me for Fuck a week. That movie. That's seriously. I mean, it's so good. Don't get me wrong. The Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper were amazing yeah. for the thirty for, minutes yeah, that exactly. we watched. <laughs> exactly. We were both watching it, and then we were like, "What?" Melissa's like, "I think he dies at the end." I was like, "What?" <laughs> he dies at the end. I was like, "I can't watch this if he's going to die." Then she looked it up. We found out well, how he dies. What? Well, spoiler. <laughs> well, we won't tell you, but we found out how he dies, yeah. and we were just like, "No, nope, yeah, forget it." Too and much. I haven't been. I haven't been right since, to be you honest. Uh-uh. So I play my emotionalness on you it's your fault and you wanted to watch it i actually wanted to watch it oh that's true so yeah i should have done horror on that <laughs> the other one hit too close to home although then we tried to watch a scary movie last night and i was just like I yeah can't. you yeah we're a mess God. <laughs> we tried to watch us so if you guys yeah. watch us and it's good just let us yeah i would know. let us know, let us know yeah. <laughs> i was down i know i thought you were getting anxious so it was making me no anxious. no i was feeling good i was ready to figure out what was going on that bunny was like moving and i was yeah. like okay <laughs> Too far. Not too far. So besides being emotional. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. Ask away. Real quick. Do it. You have to answer right away. Uh, if it's about Ross and Rachel, I'm not <laughs> answering it. <laughs> I just want to know if Ra- Ross and Rachel end up together at the She's end the only woman in 2019 who has no idea if Ross and Rachel end up I together. Know, I, I know. I know. And that's great. I'm just holding it over your head. <laughs> I can see I'm... it happening and I can't see it happening. <laughs> and I don't want to watch the last episode. Like I want to watch it all yeah, the way through. Yeah, all the way through. And I, I hear you. I, I won't spoil it for you. I'm asking you'll either be crushed or you'll be so happy. I could Google it, but you that could. takes away the fun. It does. Plus, you it. don't know how to Google. so. <laughs> <laughs> but here we go. No thinking. Okay. That's how... easy for me. Okay. <laughs> how is it like being a stay-at-home dad? Good. Good? Yeah. It's good? Yeah, it's good. Yeah? Yeah, it is. It's it's easier than I thought it would be. Ooh, look which... at you go. But, you know, it's like I'm also – I haven't started school yet. That starts in a week. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know how I'll feel in a little bit. But mm-hmm. honestly, I'm really enjoying the time. Good. Yeah, it feels good. You're doing a great job. Thanks. If I could give any advice out there to all my single ladies, marry a man who has OCD. Yeah. Because I come home and hit this house is like – for the first couple of weeks, I was insecure. Because I was like, <laughs> this house is so clean. That was actually my plan. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did it. <laughs> 
Um, but the house is just, you just, and it's, I know it's your OCD and you're just like a tuck things yeah. and you straighten things yeah. and you push things, yeah. but it looks really good. Thanks. So, so you're not worn out? No, I'm not. I okay. actually really like it. Good. Like there's definitely parts where I want to throw them off of a cliff, mm-hmm. but like, I think that's kind of just parenthood. Yeah. But it most, is. Of, most of the time I'm chill. Good. Yeah. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah, you should be. I'm okay. telling the truth. I didn't. I didn't even lie about that. Didn't even lie. No. Didn't even lie. I'm acting like we're not on a microphone. And you start school. I start school, so I'm excited about that. And that's on. On yeah, like Donkey on. Kong. Also, we just uh, filmed Cody's Survivor video. Yeah. Audition tape. Audition tape. So Jeff Probes, if you're out there, if you're listening, give me a call. I'm. It's my. I'm manifesting. Mm-hmm. So if anybody has some hookups, let me know. We're all about manifestation right it now. It is right. It's, that's where it's at, dude. I, I I'm mean, making it just, happen. Yeah, you are. Yeah. We are. I mean, I'm not just mani- that. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Right. Yep. So if anybody out there uh, is into manifestation and wants to come on and share and tell us all about it, how they manifested the shit out of their lives. Yeah, I we want to hear about yeah. it. Um. Well, we could tie a stigma to that somehow. For sure. And then also. We are manifesting Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. So. Everybody, close your eyes. Take a moment. Take a moment. Think about Rain. Just picture Rain Wilson. Picture him. He's our dream guest. He's our dream guest. And. Picturing him. We're picturing him. (laughs) Well, this is picturing him naked. (laughs) Well. Yeah. I do that all the time. (laughs) But you just breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in Rain. (laughs) Breathe out Wilson. (laughs) But seriously. So if you guys could tag him. Tag him like it's hot. If you guys have the hooks. If you don't know who Rain Wilson is, stop listening because we don't like you. Yeah, exactly. Move on from no, this podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> don't ever do that. Rain Wilson is Dwight K. Schrute. Yes. From The Office. From The Office. He's- and we both decided that that's our dream guest. We want to have him on. And not just because he was on The Office. Like He's done some legit stuff in breaking stigmas, mm-hmm. whether it's depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. even trying to break the stigma around spirituality, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, that's our that's our somehow. manifestation. We're gonna even we're gonna produce a video pretty soon, actually. Yeah, it's gonna be dedicated to Rain. And this was Cody's idea. Yeah, so. I was on the treadmill running. <laughs> I came up with it. I was all hyped up on music. I was like, I got an idea to get Rain on the show. <laughs> so we're gonna do it. So mm-hmm. that's our big fish. Big fish in a little pond. In a little pond. And then we have other guests that were just like, "Fuck it." Yeah, let's just hit them up. Reach out. So we're excited about that. Mm-hmm. We want to say thank you to everybody who listened to episode nine and ten. We got Definitely. a lot of great feedback from that for sure not even feedback just support Support. we got a lot of great support Mm -hmm. we had a lot of people reach out to us and we can't tell you what that means to us for sure and it's just great to see it's like we're we were on the hot seat right but Mm -hmm. we're also that's what all of our guests them sharing their stories Mm -hmm. they've all done that for other people Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so we just got to hear it directly because it was you know, it's our show and we did us, but, you know, we definitely hear from other people when other guests come on and just talk about it all the time and they share with those guests and people have been reconnecting and it's mm-hmm. just been, it's been rad. It has been rad. And it's like, it was, I think we talked about this, we might have talked about this, it was draining, but it was fulfilling. For sure. And it was healing. It's very healing. I hadn't revisited those places in a really long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but I'm glad to be back on this side of the table. Me too. So this interview we got is is dope as hell. It is. But it's it's a heavy one too, but It's but it's not too heavy. When we yeah. were first when we were first recording it, I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be too heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, like how are we? And then at the end, I mean, I say it, I've, I felt sadness. I felt hope. Yeah, I hope. felt inspiration. Yeah, inspiration, spirituality, yeah. connection, growth, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the over, overcoming, you know. And so this episode, we interview a, a friend of mine. And now a friend of Melissa's as well. And of, he lives in Portland too. Obviously, Portland has some really interesting and fascinating people up there. So up, we've P. got P. a lot of interviews. For you. 
that's two strikes, babe. One more, and we're not allowed to move up there. Oh, is that three? All right. Well, I guess we're staying here. But um, yeah, he was involved in a tragic car accident. And somebody that he loved passed away because of it. And Tyler was amazing enough to come on here and share his story Mm -hmm. and how he dealt with the identity of, you know, being the person who was involved in an accident Mm -hmm. and trying to deal with the trauma and how to grieve. And he goes into real detail about how he went about being able to, you know, get some acceptance and, and, and some growth. Yeah. And it was like the way we ended up looking at grief and talking about grief was just it was like beautiful. It was inspiring. I really struggle with death. I right. really struggle with it. I've yeah. A lot of painful things that I remember about losing people. Mm-hmm. And then also I'm so fucking afraid to lose people. Right. 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 But to hear the way he handled grief and how he kind of made it his own. Right. I guess if that's even the right way to say it. Like he did. there were no stages of grief for he him. Did. The stages and kind of what felt like the normal way to grieve didn't apply to Tyler. No. He had to do it his own way. Yeah. And mm. it was cool. It was kind of mm-hmm. like an eat, pray, love. That's yeah. what it reminded me of. Yeah. Like he Traveling, just went on this like yeah, journey. whole journey and it's beautiful. And what I took away from this was that nothing has to be done a certain way. Right. You know, everybody handles things differently mm-hmm. and it's okay to be different and to do things differently. There's right. no right or wrong way. Yeah. There's yeah. no shame in it. There's no nothing. You don't have to do what society tells you you need to do. Right. You know, mm-hmm. just like anything, just like with mental health just like with addiction just like with you know gender norms like everything just there's just people are doing their different ways and there's so much to learn definitely yeah this episode is great i'm really grateful for i'm grateful for every guest like i just am overwhelmed when people want to share such intimate stuff with yeah, us the fact that he came to us yeah, about this was just so hum- yeah. humbling yeah we're really grateful and for grateful it. yeah and so yeah just to give you a little little bit about tyler his name's tyler cowdry and he lives in portland oregon uh he's an emergency room nurse full-time but also a restaurant and bar owner in portland so he's quite the uh he's got his hands in a lot of different pots and he's been doing that his whole life he's he a, was a dj too wasn't yeah he? dj bartender i mean he's done a bunch of stuff tyler's always been on the move he's gonna be embarking now on a one-year travel in nurse in his poorly built van named Lil Lolito. And it's in honor of his girlfriend, Lauren Lolo, and his best friend, John Tito. Both of them passed away, and Tyler goes into detail about John, as well as, of course, Lauren is mm-hmm. one of the main focuses of the uh, podcast. Yeah. So Tyler also um, likes to write. He does poetry and photography, and you can find his website at www.ahardbite.com. As well as on Instagram. Instagram, boomer underscore dynamite. Follow him so you can follow his little travel nursing journey. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, and all of this will be in the show notes. And he's just a really cool, like he's not a hippie, but you would think he is. Yeah. Hipster hippie. Yeah. Hipster yeah. Hipsy, hippie, <laughs> wise old owl. Yeah, I don't know what he yeah. is, but he's awesome. And Big it was black crow. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sure. Ah, so yeah, I don't know. He's rad, and we had a great conversation. So great I, I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. As always, if you want to support us, you can always give us a five star rating on iTunes. Give us a share, and also follow us on Instagram. Yeah, we're follow us at Instagram. underscore we are the stigma. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep, that is it. Also Facebook and uh, and Twitter. If you guys are into that, the tweet, the, the tweet. tweeter. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Tyler, what's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> Good, man. What's up? Good. I'm just uh, drinking some tea that I thought was going to be better. And I'm- <laughs> You made a huge. Do, should we start over? Do you want to get new? <laughs> no, no, this is good. I, I'm committed. I'm gonna go. I'm halfway down. Halfway you made it. it. Just finish it. You know. I'm a tea guy now. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I do. That's how most tea. Most of the time, that's I, how I am with all I, tea. Exactly. <laughs>
like this tastes a little less earthy than the other one I had. <laughs> it's so funny. They have like, I mean, there's 200 variations and I've, you know, I've traveled the world and I've seen like these tea places that, you know, have these tea tasting times. I'm like, I still do not know the difference. Like I do know that some <laughs> taste like flowers and some taste like dirt and some yeah. taste like pepper. Yeah. And I have no idea. Well, that was like, when I was, out. when I was in the food and beverage industry, it was like, I was like, maybe I'll be a sommelier and learn wines. And I was like, well, all I could tell is one's sweeter than the other. I don't know what the fuck like else is going on with that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this one's really red and this yeah. one's really yeah. white. Clear. Clear. I can see through it. Yeah. Wow. So Tyler, thanks for coming on. Melissa and I are really grateful. And um, you know, I just just tell us just a little bit about you. Who is Tyler? Who are you? Who who is you know, such a large question, I guess. It changes (laughs) daily, but it's as deep as it gets, man. Yeah, there's you know, it changes up a lot. Right now I'm uh, an ER nurse here in Portland, Oregon, a job that I love dearly. I transferred as well from the food and beverage industry, if that's that's a very professional way of looking at it. But, you know, from being a bartender and owning a couple bars and restaurants, which I still do from a distance, but typically my day is filled with working in an emergency room. And like you said, I live in Portland for, I'd say, the majority of my continuation of my adolescent life. I don't think I'm a grown-up yet, but <laughs> I've been here the most of the time and just, um, you know, enjoyed the hobbies of Portland, Oregon. And the wonderful people here, and uh, and I have a mustache right now. That's really oh, all I can tell you. It's, it's not like a real mustache. Oh, like he built it up. Half beard, half mustache. Yeah. Can you curl it yet? Or hell no, and I never <laughs> will. But it's a surprise to me every time I wake up. So, well, Tyler. So we'll let you kind of take uh, take on more of the explanation. But I know a few years back you were involved in a tragic car accident. And I was, yeah. Uh, why don't you just kind of share with us what you feel comfortable sharing about? Yeah, of course. Um, as far as the comfortability level, too, I'm I'm pretty wide open on it, and um, it's been a huge. Uh, that that's been pretty much my progression and how I've been able to handle this is by actually speaking honestly about it and being as open as possible. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that is so that's powerful. It's yeah, it's it's really powerful to also see how that interaction has benefited my relationships met most importantly my community my friendships around it mm-hmm. but um as far as the the incident occurred i could go into it in such great detail and i could also zoom out and and touch on the points but really what it came down to is um i had graduated nursing school and i fell in love with a woman uh named lauren and still remains the love of my life and uh we had gone to Montana with the wild idea that we were going to move to Missoula. After seeing Missoula, we quickly decided to stay in Portland, but <laughs> uh, no, no, no grief in, in, in Missoula. I love that town. And we had this beautiful trip where we visited grandparents. We visit hot springs like we didn't want to spend a moment away from each other and, and uh on january 13th we were in this um airbnb little place in missoula montana and i came back from the grocery store and she had kind of decorated the house and you know her own feng shui, feng shui and it was our last night there and she just came around the small kitchen table and she had braids in her hair and this very ugly sweater that she was wearing that we ended up leaving at the airbnb on purpose and she was braiding her hair and I just was like, this is, that's it. Like, this is the girl that I'm definitely going to spend the rest of my life with. And it was, it's one of those moments that hits you, you know, you can try to plan for that and try to force it into, into play, but you know, it's just, you just know sometimes. For so sure. it's a really beautiful moment for me. And I've, I've been typically a, uh, I don't like the name single, but just definitely not really somebody that's been known to be in relationships or at least thriving relationships. Um, 
intimately with with uh, other women but you know she just got me there's just a way that we were able to communicate and laugh and uh, we knew how to get stoned together which i think is a huge piece of the relationship <laughs> so it was just, we should get on that babe yeah it's well <laughs> um, i don't know where you guys are with that but um uh you know where you could just be yourself yeah go for yeah. comfort yeah. now we get it yeah we get it. Yeah. So, and then, uh, January 14th, we were, um, driving back from, uh, Missoula, Montana going for some reason, this really weird way that took us through Moses Lake, Washington, which most people don't even know exists. We were going down a highway that is, I think it's name like is a letter, honestly, like it's one of those type of highways. And she was sitting in the back of the car and my dog was up front because she was acting a little erratically and Lauren had put her up there and Lauren was laying down in the back and I was driving. And then just around right before dusk, we were going along this highway and there was a stop sign that I was not aware of, or I just didn't think a highway would have a stop sign on. I remember the flash images of seeing a stop sign and thinking drastically like, holy shit, that's a stop sign and seeing headlights and then waking up and it was pretty intense. Like it was um, in a field, didn't see the car. I didn't see my dog, but uh, Lauren was right at my, uh, was kneeling down and she was right below me. I don't know how that happened. And as being a nurse, the first thing I could think to do was to do some kind of CPR. Like that's the only thing that we, that I, you really can, I guess, do in that moment. I had um, suffered quite a bit of injuries myself and couldn't really scream or couldn't really breathe. Then I remember seeing the ambulance and being loaded into the ambulance and seeing them uh, get out the defibrillator uh, for Lauren. And that was the last image I saw of her. Then for the remainder of the time, it was, unfortunately, the ambulance got stuck in the field and I had to be life lighted out. And just those flat, like like a strobe light of just different images that yeah. occurred everywhere from like, I was in the ICU for three days and then in, in the hospital for another day after that. Just everything from these really triggering, horrible images of, you know, the doctor telling me more than likely, if you saw those things, she didn't make it to the police officer telling me that I need your consent to test your blood to see if anything was in it to, you know, Eric, our best friend. I like seeing him cry for the first time, holding my hand, like dictating a letter to Lauren through my sister-in-law's, uh, she sat by my bed for so long. Just, there's just so many images and some of them are comical too. Like I remember BJ and Poe, like, and I think I made a joke about his pubic hair, you know, like, because <laughs> I was so drugged up, you know, it was just, it was just so many flashes and nothing really made any sense to me whatsoever. And then the road from that has been not, so much a strobe light, but more of like this continuous like illumination of, you know, nothing is the same anymore. It's a totally different life. And, you know, (laughs) you think, you know, when that happens, like you're going to be somewhat ready. And what I mean by that is I see people in the hospital that are dying and I've seen people die in the hospital and I've seen their families not be able to necessarily let go because they're going to be ready at one point. And they just, even then you're just never ready for that moment when somebody you love passes away whether it's slowly on a table or drastically in a car accident. And yeah, you're just there. How, how quickly did she pass away? Did, was it instant? Was she, did she? It was, I was told it was instant. I, you know, I've never really actually asked about the details. Little things have popped up as far as when people have been a little bit hesitant to share details of the story unless I ask about them. Um, those details are not necessarily that important to me as long as then I know that she wasn't, she didn't suffer at right. all. 
And I was told that she didn't. And that um, you know, you'd think that bring a lot of peace to you, but it, it really doesn't that much. It, you hope, of course, for those things, but still. Somebody told me a long time ago that the person that's passed away is no longer suffering. It's the people that are still here. Oh, yeah. So that uh, kind of yeah permeated through the uh, the rest of my time uh, up until this point. Well, Tyler, I'm hitting sitting here listening to you say that you know, like you think that you like you handle it a certain way, and all I can sit here and think is I don't think I could even go on. So just to hear that you did make it through is what I'm really looking forward to hearing because already I'm like, I can't imagine, imagine that. Yeah. It's, but that's the interesting fact is that like, you know, carrying further onto this story, like as we dive into like the process of moving forward, like two years after that accident, my biggest support and my best friend um, passed away as well from a motorcycle accident, John. And he was my wife. I mean, that's what people joked about it. Like, yeah, he was your wife because we spent every day together, you know, and I still remember when I was at my mom's house, he was sitting behind me and I had these broken ribs and I made it a point to hug everybody that came in and it was a slow process. And, uh, you know, I didn't know this at the time, but my business partner, a really good friend of mine too, Robert had seen this whole thing go down and John was behind me standing up every time that I got up and didn't touch me, but like was there in case I fell backwards and he was in tears the whole time. So I had this support and then he left as well in such a in a quick, well, somewhat quick way. He didn't suffer as well. And unexpected. Very unexpected. So when you say like go on, it's it's interesting because after Lauren died, like I had to go on. Like I had to show what she meant to me and what she meant to her friends and what she meant to this world and try to carry on some of the beautiful way that she looked at this world. And then when John died, man, it was just like, I don't know. Is this even really? Yeah. Is this just like every year or two years, something like this is going to happen? It just seems so normalized at that point. And honestly, it wasn't as a surprise as much as Lauren because with Lauren, like I fell in love with her and I didn't say that I loved her right before she left, even though we both knew it. With John, I had the opportunity to tell him how much he meant to me before he passed. So it was just like, almost like I expected something to happen. Wasn't aware that was what it was going to be. And it's like almost you have more of a closure too. You know, like you're going to regret never, maybe regret never telling Lauren, but you have this, like you said, no regret because you you told John these things. Oh yeah, completely. I think that's such a huge part in processing his passing. So just for those listening out there, when did this accident take place with Lauren? Uh, it was in 2016. So it was three years ago. Three years ago. Okay. I mean, I can still remember when I first heard about it, Ryan sent me a text and he's just like, Tyler's been in a serious accident and he's okay, but his girlfriend passed away. And I remember I was just like, dude, I was shook. I was shook, dude. That was like, uh, I, it was just, I just, my heart went out to you like so much. And we've been through our own battles, you know, and like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough one to swallow for anybody. Definitely. Yeah. So we've talked about, you know, before we did this interview, just about things we kind of wanted to, to discuss and, you know, how you've not come back from this, but, you know, been able to deal and grow and do all of those type of things after a traumatic event happens. But I know mm-hmm. one of the areas that you wanted to touch touch on is, you know, the actual trauma of the event. Yeah, it's just um, this identity piece. When I, I and when I say when you, I, I mean, me, I can't speak on anybody else's traumatic events, of course. But as far as my event goes, and the identity that came with it, it was really interesting, and also uh, heartbreaking at the same point. When I came out of it, I was I was at my mom's for about two weeks. And then one of my best friends, Kira kind of nursed me back to health at her farm It was a really, you know, beautiful moment. But then I came back home, 
I've been a task-oriented person my whole life. Like I, I very ambitious in my business pursuits, and also just like trying to in do the general next big thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just for sure. Always that doesn't sound speed. like Tyler. <laughs> no. um, it's exhausting. <laughs> so I went back to work, and um, there was like this hush hush around it. Like people that talked to me, people that really like enjoyed my company. I felt, and you know, I've been in this town for so long, and been in a lot of different uh, scenes. Like you know, the the DJ scene, the bar scene. Like I mean, in Portland, if you're a bartender or a DJ, you're you're upper royalty for some odd reason. So you just know all these people and they're all talking all the time and then this action occurred and everybody had, you know, not not my close friends, of course, that knew the story, but everybody had their own version of the story of what they heard. And the news story that was put out was inaccurate. And then there was also a story about, you know, my family being absolutely amazing. I mean, my mom hats off, no doubt about it. Uh, but my brothers and my cousins and my good friend am looking for my dog which is another fascinating story as well about how she survived for five days on the wilderness yeah, they found her yeah you know um but so that was another story and there's all these little pieces and these stories that just like people are trying to make sense of what happened like how could this happen was he drunk was he high was he texting was he looking at somebody's house around the corner did he not see the street was were what were lauren and him like at the moment were they fighting or why was jenny in the front seat so all these different things and nothing everybody's kind of making up their own version of the story and like that because they don't have any details the only deals details they could have was something from the only person that it it went through it and i and i didn't know like because i was saying that strobe like i still was piecing everything together like what the fuck just happened like so this identity was created in a sense of like that became my story and probably more on myself telling that story and being like this is who i am now like i am this accident and you know the hardest part was you google your name and that's there's 10 stories 10 news stories about the accident and then below that is like an interview i did with my brother for his band you know so my identity was no longer anything that existed i mean at least in the, it, it was a it was a fair representation of how i felt at that time that there was all these news about this accident and at the very bottom was a little piece about how i was a brother and um that's that's really hard to come away from and i remember even like i would google my name and then add things to it so that like the other sites would get more hits but for some reason that was just always at the top for a good year and a half, two years. And um, coming out of that identity was honestly the community, the my friends that were there for me. And there's so many of them to name off that if I started naming them, I wouldn't do justice to every single one was there. But they made me uh, realize that I'm me. They supported my climbing. They supported my nursing career. They came out and gardened with me. They hung out with these goats that I had bought um, in honor of <laughs> such asshole goats, but in honor <laughs> of of lauren you know and like they just they really showed up my family did too and they they showed that i was something this was just a part of my story they helped you yeah, see outside of the the the, the storylines and the news stories they helped you remember who you were oh yeah totally like i i can't i can't say how much i appreciate that and even like people that have now become a huge part of my life that i didn't really know that well before that because they keep promoting that aspect they allow me to talk about it if i need to but honestly it's just it's been really breathtaking to see, you know, my friends take me out surfing or climbing or just going out to eat and just show me that there's more than just what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're still, I mean, you're not the same guy, but you're still Tyler. Yeah. No, so were there people like coworkers and, you know, maybe your friends that you weren't so close with that were definitely treating you differently or was it all kind of more something you put on yourself? I think it's definitely more. 
I put on myself. Um, and I had heard stories about certain people saying things like, of course. and had decided to treat me a little bit differently, which is fair enough. But uh, no, I think it was mostly definitely on myself. Uh, there's, there's a lot of guilt and shame for driving the car. And I've been the oldest brother of, how many brothers do I have? I have four <laughs> brothers. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've just always been somebody that's been in a caretaker role for the most part. Like I've always been there and tried to, but uh, this one incident, the one person that I found out loving the most in an intimate way, I just, you know, I'm the one that fucked up. I made a mistake. And although it was an accident, it's a series of events that I couldn't really, you know, you can't control what happens. It's just shit that happens, you know. It's an accident, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that shame really, really sticks in your soul. And it's really hard to carve it out of there when it finds its nooks and crannies. So, so I think, you know, it'd be really beneficial for some of the, some of the listeners and some of the people who are listening in just how did you get past that i know you had the support of people who really loved you but like for you what like uh-huh. what did it what did it look like for you was it therapy was it like you spoke about earlier opening up and talking about like what was what allowed you to to grieve and to also you know come to some sort of acceptance and and take the next step yeah, that's, you know, it's a really interesting process too, because there's, there's so many, you know, we studied grief in nursing school and, you know, the, yeah, there's this model as far as like the different stages of grief and it comes in any order. And I was thinking about, it, I was like, ah, fuck that. There's no way, like, I have no idea. I don't, I'm not going to go along with that. And I kind of like wanted to take all these alternative therapies. I wanted to travel. I wanted to spend time with Lauren in the spots that we went to. Like I wanted to show her the world from my eyes and being able to do that um, by having a community that supported me going out and traveling and seeing new places was very, very beneficial to me to uh, not get back into the same, uh, the same habits, the same house and all that. Like, I just changed everything. I moved to a new home. I got these goats. I started to become like, I wasn't, I wasn't a farmer by any means at all. I was just a, I was a hipster with two goats. Garden. <laughs> like, I had no clue what I was doing. A hipster with two goats and goat cheese. <laughs> yeah. That's, no goat cheese. I didn't know how to do that. There's no way. There was that. But also therapy is very interesting to me. I think first off, I think everybody should be in therapy. It, they should be in therapy at age two. Agreed. As as you start talking. 100%, 100%. Even maybe um, earlier. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, that's a huge stigma too, is the therapy is, luckily our world is really embracing that therapy is not like, oh shit, hide the knives. She goes to therapy type shit. It's like, <laughs> oh, like that's awesome. Now I feel a little bit more, you know, I feel normal that she goes because I really want to go. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I had a therapist in the beginning and uh, it didn't really fit me. She was more about, she was a relationship therapist. So probably not the right fit. But um, yeah, I, went, I, I have a therapist now that I really enjoy. And it's been just extremely, I just, it's, it's just light, which is really nice to unload that shit onto somebody that doesn't have any kind of bias whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, one of the weird things that's really helped me is um, is plant medicine. I've been trying to get more involved in ceremony, which is, an, uh, I don't know, out of your listeners or yourself is familiar with ayahuasca. Like, It's definitely been extremely beneficial for me. And I've seen it very beneficial for my friends and really taking that a little bit more seriously. So what is it? So ayahuasca, and I know there's going to be some listeners out there like nope nope that's not what it's it but what's your from, what's your version from an amateur point of view it is a vine that is grown throughout the amazon and i believe it originated in brazil but has also been throughout peru and is also i think there's a variation in hawaii as well and it is a medicine that is derived from dmt and it's from this bark that's boiled down into an elixir of sorts that tastes god awful worse than uh, your tea here oh my god so much worse than my tea like <laughs> times a hundred like it is it takes it, it literally 
makes you want to vomit because it tastes like vomit. Like that's what it tastes like. But you tend to have a focus or a question or somewhere where you're putting energy and it tends to take you through either past lives or in my experience, like being able to talk with the ones who have passed and not just John and Laura, but also patients that have passed. Like it was very, my last ceremony was very, it just broke me wide open and had a strong appreciation for those people in my life as well that I didn't really pay attention to, which was, you know, people that have passed uh, while I was at the hospital. And, but it's, it's just a very interesting, it's usually guided by a shaman of sorts and there's music that's involved and you follow a, a song. When I first took it, I was in Peru with a couple of friends and uh, that was wild. I mean, it wasn't really like, we didn't even know what it was. There was this guy, this is this Australian dude that was like super giggly all the time. And he told us about it. He's like, yeah, it's here. And we're just like, all right, cool. Let's do it with no information whatsoever. And then we got into it and like, what is going on? Yeah, and then, I've, re- I've read about this stuff. I feel like people, is it what people take try when they try to get off drugs too? Yeah. Yeah, it's actually been shown mm-hmm. to have great success with, uh, with addicts as well. To yeah. Quit cold turkey. It says it's um, part of a larger system of plant spirit assisted healthcare in the jungle. Exactly. Sounds- yeah. I, uh, I, I strongly believe in it. And I, I've been lucky enough to know people that have been able to bring me closer to those practices here, here in the States, but also in Peru which I'll be going to in November, hopefully, to do another ceremony. So would yeah. you would you classify that as some sort of spirituality? Oh, definitely. Okay. It's You really have to go in with an open mind about it because I'm not the type of guy that goes to festivals. Like, you'll never find me at Burning Man. And like, <laughs> I like church is like, there's no way you're going to get me to go to church. You couldn't even pay me to go to church. Well, you could, you could pay me, but it's yeah, not going to be. I got some money. so You know, I'm just not really like a strong believer. And when I see people like walking without shoes in the grocery store i'm like oh my god you like walking into a porta potty with no shoes on oh uh, god oh god yeah no, no. but you know what i'm saying it's like yeah. you can easily um you can easily pin this up to like some kind of movement of where you're like everybody takes this shit a little too seriously but it's never been that way for me like i've found it to be really i, I come in with no judgment <laughs> like I'm doing hippie shit, man. Like I'm totally into it. Somebody put flowers in my hair. Like when I went one of these ceremonies, I'm like, just dude, embrace give it, it man. Yeah. Just go flowers. Get some give butterflies. Let's do this. Dude, let's, let's make our clothes and let's hug for an hour. Yeah. Totally into it. Yeah. It's just, it's just a different world. So you found some sort of spirituality. Do you feel like the travel that you did, you did that as a way to connect to Lauren, correct? Yeah, I did. Do you feel like that is like, was a way to bring yourself closure at all? No, man, closure, I haven't got there yet. No, okay, uh, so closure, nah. maybe and maybe you never will? Well, you know, I, I actually sat with my therapist today, and it was such an interesting meeting today, especially having this uh, conversation with you guys, and I, it just kind of lined up in that way. But he had, we were talking about relationships, and I know how people are supposed to experience grief because I've been reading all the books, I read, you know, I listen to all the podcasts and all these different things. I know there needs to be closure at some point. Now with John, I've gotten more closure with John and I's relationship. Like we lived a full life together. Like we really did. But with Lauren, like I've started to realize and started to come to the fact that like I may not be one of those people that lost their lover and then their partner and then gets into another partnership, a long-term partnership. And I've found some real um, clarity with the fact and also some freedom that I kind of like having this relationship with Lauren where I still get to hear her kind of say her quirky um, observations and, you know, just, I don't know, there's like this communication that I'm able to have um, with her now that I've kind of strayed away from the societal standards of 
what I need to be doing next. Like mm-hmm. everybody told me, I should, don't worry, you're going to fall in love again. And right now I'm kind of like, and I have fallen in love since, but that's I, interesting. So, but when you say like you've fallen in love since, is it just different? It's much different. Okay. Very, very different. Yeah. Okay. There is a, I've been able to just solidify this this really sacred relationship with Lauren. And uh, yeah. I just don't think, you know, the closure part, I just don't know if that's going to really exist for me. And the thing is, too, is like, I don't even know if I really want it to. Want it, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's part of the stages of grief, but I don't really feel it holding me back honestly it sounds like it sounds like something that brings you more peace than anything than anything yeah Yeah. i think it's the 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 idea that you need to let it go you know there's different stages of letting go of course like i don't i have a picture of her up but i my apartment is not riddled with her belongings Mm -hmm. or you know i have a little altar and like i have my moments but you know and i don't talk about her on a regular basis i I get to like, I have other ways of, of approaching her, like through travels and through ceremony and also through a couple of her best friends, most notably my, uh, my friend, Sarah, who's just been, uh, was Lauren's wife. That's what she is on my phone. And she's just <laughs> been so amazing for me, knowing that like somebody that loved Lauren so much would love me so much, just yeah. helps melt the shame completely. That's, Our, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty massive. And I feel like that's just so important because it doesn't have to look a certain way. And I feel like pe- people I, need to hear that, you know? I totally agree. I mean, it's like what what parts of it, you know, letting go is is such a general term, right? Like, what are you letting go of? Yeah. It's like you said, um, you're letting go of grief in some ways, but what you're doing is finding ways to embrace her memory and still make it a part of who you are. Cause you don't, I mean, you loved her. You don't want her gone. And that's no. your way, that's your way of having her still with you. And those are the things that instead of letting go, you probably hold on even tighter. Yeah. It's, it's been just very interesting to see like where I am now and where I was a year ago. Like I was still very pressured by these standards that we seem to bring into society that where you're supposed to be in grief and like what's supposed to happen with it and what healthy grief looks like which is on paper sounds awesome healthy grief but really like there's no real definition for it for everybody it's completely different that was a lot allowed me to kind of break open some other societal standards like we don't necessarily there are some people that don't adhere to other things like this pressure to be for me like this paternal pressure to have children is has never really sat with me in the way that I desire it so much. But there's this societal pressure that I'm, I'm 38 now. Like, I got to either pop a couple kids out or <laughs> just go off into the woods. I don't know which one I'm going to do, but like, Choose you know. Choose the woods. Yeah. <laughs> From experience. Hear, heed our words. There was uh, this cartoon my friend, uh, I saw, like, I posted up on Instagram. It was like, what it is to be like an older person that's just like kind of single. And there's this woman pushing this cart i mean sorry it's not a cart it's a stroller uh, <laughs> with a ba- with a baby and a kid next to it and then the other one is like this girl like standing in a bathing suit with a goose and the woman with the stroller is like what are you gonna do today and she, the, the girl's like oh i think i'm just gonna follow this goose for most of the day and see where that goes and like that was the idea of like what it is to, uh, yeah you can just do whatever yeah, the hell you want <laughs> do whatever you want you have, yeah yeah uh, I mean, that's, that's ultimately, I mean, it sounds, I could see from like different, sitting on different sides of the coin, like, (laughs) but it also is quite scary too, you know, like is, I see how much my mom loves seeing her grandchildren and I love seeing like, you know, Poe, who was on the show recently, like how he interacts with his child. It's just, it's mesmerizing. It's breathtaking. It's just so beautiful. And to deprive yourself of that because you want to live this kind of like 
I can do whatever I want. Life is lightest way of saying it possible, but still very true. Selfish way of life, which I think the word selfish has gotten a bad rap for quite some time. Like, I, I, I think agree it's, with that. Yeah, I think it's awesome that people want to live a selfish life sometimes, yeah, as long I, as they're not hurting other people. Well, exactly. I mean, what, what's going to be? What's I mean, it, be selfish. If you don't want to have a kid, don't have a kid. That's going to suck for the kid. You know what I mean? Like, just do, yeah. do, do you. Do you. Yeah, you like, do, do you. Do what makes you happy and fuck, fuck everything else. Like, I mean, of course, don't hurt anybody while you're doing it, but, you know. Of course, yeah. yeah. It just reminded me, like, in recovery, we believe that, like, we have to be selfish. Exactly. You know, you have to be selfish to remain your authentic, happy self. You have to put yourself first yeah. to make sure that everyone, you know, that you're putting off your, like you said, your most authentic self yeah that's really cool that's taught in recovery as well i think that's oh, really yeah. important oh, i didn't yeah. know that but uh yeah. uh you know it's funny some of the people in my life that have been really um amazing for me are, are sober people actually like they just have chosen to be sober whether they didn't like alcohol or actually had issues with it and i, I feel like i, I want to jump into more of that uh here in the future and learn a little bit more about it because every time like i hear little pieces of what recovery looks like it it mirrors grief uh in a lot of ways in this grief for like a life that doesn't exist anymore and this other life that exists now so i just i find it really interesting every time somebody brings up uh elements of recovery yeah i think in in, in a lot of ways you know because recovery to me, melissa myself and to other people but like we can only speak of ourselves is spirituality you know it is it is a level of connecting and and trying to live a spiritual life. And I think throughout all cultures, I think there's a lot of those things that are intertwined, interconnected. So I, I definitely can see how certain aspects from grief and other things would all kind of intertwine with spirituality in a general sense. Yeah, I could see. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that way. Mm-hmm. It is. So Tyler, another another thing that we wanted to kind of touch on is, you know, what I know you went into, you know, the things that you did. First thing I wanted to, I wanted to kind of touch on this, something that from our communications from a, a few years ago, when I was texting just to see how you're doing and everything. One thing that you shared with me was a picture of a swing that you had built in Lauren's memory. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I just wanted to, because you were talking about your travels and, you know, how you're, how you coped and how you were trying to go places and have her see things through your eyes and stuff. And it just, re- that, memory really resonates me and just wanted to hear the story behind that. Yeah. So I was out at my good friend Kira's farm who she was like, again, definitely nursing me back to health by just this quiet distance, but also very close. Anyway, we'd go for these walks through the woods. It's backed up against the North Cascades in Skagit County. And it's just such a beautiful area. And it was wintertime. And I just started building things. Um, I started, I built them a table. I've sent I've since built quite a few things at that property. Um, but I wanted to just start building something that helped me connect with Lauren. And I uh, found these two pieces. And it just kind of came together in my mind. I was like, I think I'm going to build a swing out of things that I find in the forest. So I started doing it. And keep in mind, like I was still like, you know, suffering from these broken ribs. And I, I didn't ask for help. But uh, Patrick, who was also there, and also Matt, uh, Kira's partner, and of course, Kira would help here and there. And we, we erected these two large trees that were already down in the forest. And then, you know, even the seat is made out of a piece of wood. And it's just like, it's this swing set that overlooks, I forget what the mountain's called. It's right next to Sock Mountain. And it just, since then, I, I go up there and I typically will read a short story, usually Tom Robbins, which is something Lauren and I connected with pretty deeply. And, uh, you know, and then just start asking questions to 
Lauren and see and just kind of stare off. And it's been there ever since. It's amazing that it stayed put because I, I am not a carpenter as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, it's just something that happened. I don't really know why or how. We planted a peach tree, which also is kind of an ode to a Tom Robbins book, which is Tibetan peach pie. And I, I buried um, a couple of her belongings in there. And like, I had never broken down so hard. Mm-hmm. Like just really lost it. And now it's just a place where I find a lot of solitude and a way to really like, it's like visiting her at home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like adding her beauty to the world. It's mm-hmm. like all I'm thinking right now is like beauty, beauty, yeah. beauty. I remember yeah. when you, when you sent me that and just was like, you know, I'm just, I'm working on this. And I just remember thinking like, you know, there's no way to process grief and there's no one way to process grief. But I remember just getting that picture and being like, that just seems like such a beautiful thing to do, to be out with nature and doing something for her and connecting and, you know, finding your all your own solitude and peace for what would happen. And it was really early after it happened too, but I just always, that, that has really stuck with me. Oh, thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting how that came about and how it's been such a centerpiece for my progression of, and just how I connect with her on a regular basis. Yeah. It's just, it's been really cool. So like how did you i mean we've kind of got touched on already but how did you get i don't even know if this is the right word but happy how did you get to some sense of normalcy or some sense of recovery for lack of a better word i know now like right now i'm really happy and i I don't know exactly how that came about but i do know um, one of the biggest things was i had mentioned earlier that i'm very task-oriented and ambitious and um i've been talking with a lot of old friends and new friends well newer friends like you know old school friends like you know, Robin, Eric, Poe, Cure, all that stuff, like, uh, and M, but about slowing down and what, how important it is to just be very appreciative of what you have right now. And that sounds like a Hallmark card. I get it. Like, but being present and just being like, all right, today is my, and just waking up being like, today's my last day. Not like I'm going to do something like today's my last day. What's going to happen? You know, like, am I going to do at least one thing that I enjoy? And sometimes we all do this. We blow off friends or we just because, well, Oh, we got to get, I got to get this thing. I got to run to the grocery store. I got to do this. We blow off friends. Like today I had a lot of shit to do, but I instead went to the beach with uh, the Swift crew, which is our, our bar, like everybody that works at Swift. And it's just was, it's amazing. Like through community, like I found such a happiness and such a, a purpose for continuing to live that it's it's kind of like this drug that I've found to be I just want to I want more I want to know my friends deeper I want to meet new people I want to like find my confidence in the relationships that I have with those people I really think that's that and being super awkward has been making me really happy <laughs> like just like saying shit that like I, I hate flat line of small talk like I hate it and even you hate what the flat line of small talk i think it's just flatlining small talk like it has no life whatsoever oh just, got it got it, got yeah, it, got nurse, it. Nurse i thought we were talking about <laughs> i thought we were talking about like uh like building something I was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's you know it's it's getting there at some point it's a pcp but, pipe and you know yeah. <laughs> no again i have no idea what i'm doing when i'm building shit but yeah just really having fun with the moment seeing what happens doing like you said, like you do you, like be selfish, but also be there. I think is really important. Be selfish, but be present. Do you, do you have a moment that, that you remember when you like, you're like, oh, I could, I can be happy again. Cause I remember my, I was in, when I was in Iceland with my brother, Paul, he was sharing with me yeah. because I have a niece who passed away, his daughter, she passed away from a tumor when she was young and he just, he didn't think he would ever be, you know, fully happy again. And 
he just he mentioned a time when he was on a vacation and he like just laughed and he realized for the first time like oh I can I can actually I think I can be happy again you know in a different sense but I can be happy again yeah I had you know to be quite honest there's been multiple little moments but one that comes to mind that just has really kind of always stuck there is there was when Lauren and I Lauren and I went to the beach one time and we took some mushrooms and uh such a fun time this like teen couple like the weirdest teen couple I've ever seen in my life like they had the best novels in their trunk like they had like Hemingway and some like deeper like dark novels too the reason we knew that is because they got stuck in the sand and we were trying to use the books which I know is kind of sacrilegious for those readers out there to <laughs> shove under the wheels to get this car out of the sand you know and we're high as all hell. Like we're just, we don't even know if this is a car. We don't even know if these people exist. But we're trying to do this. This may have never happened, actually. <laughs> Probably didn't. Um, it was just so wild. And like then we didn't get the car out. And then you know later down, we walked down the beach. We're like, oh, my God. Like, What are those alien lights? We find out later it's a tow truck. That got out. <laughs> uh, but, but there's this moment where she was uh, standing kind of you know how the water comes up onto the beach doesn't really like kind of just coats the sand mm -hmm. and um the reflection of the night the stars like she had this way of just being like a kid in the moment but also so reflective of what was happening so aware and she's like look at this like i'm standing in the middle of the universe and it literally looked like there was nothing below you nothing above you but stars and darkness and it was just such a beautiful moment and i uh went on a motorcycle trip with a friend of mine and we had camped out on the beach i just had this idea and i was like all right i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go get naked and stand out on the beach for a second and see what that's like and then i had this moment where like i had that same kid moment i was standing in the middle of the beach butt-ass naked um i'm sure somebody saw me. i guarantee somebody saw me it was like, <laughs> right from an rv park i stood on the beach and i had that same moment of like standing in the middle of the universe and i just started like crying and laughing and yelling and you know kicking water up and just so elated that i could have those moments and those connections and uh still continue to have them today like and i think the biggest piece is like just really being present and, like having fun with what's ever in front of you instead of trying to make it into something different yeah. yeah. And it sounds to me, especially when you were explaining earlier, just about being more present and waking up and saying, okay, what today is my last day or whatever. It just really sounds like you live in a lot of gratitude, whether you mean to or not. But that's the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear you talk about these things. It's just like gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Oh, definitely. Like that's the only way to look at it anymore. Yeah. Like, you can't look at it any other way. I mean, that's, I, to me, that's just like, it's almost the key of life, you know, is, is living in gratitude or trying your best to do it. I just, when I hear stories, one of the things I'm really learning in this podcast and speaking with people is, you know, there's all of these life lessons that are in front of you, right? And people tell them to you over and over and over again, but they don't make any sense to you or they don't resonate with you or they don't click. And then you have events in your life that allow these epiphanies to happen to you where all of a sudden these words and these sayings and these things that people have said, they resonate and they're real and they mean something. And then you can start living your life through what those people have been saying, but you're connected to it. It's just, it's, it's just crazy to me. And I, I just keep hearing it over and over again. And I just, you know, that's what life is. It's about growing and trying to get a deeper understanding and connecting and trying to get past these brain patterns or the way you've thought your whole life into something new and expansive. Yeah, so much so. And and sharing the gratitude with the people around you. Like that's the biggest I don't think there's any better way to overcome trauma like by touch and just 
speaking and just being a part of that human experience and really like not taking it for granted, like really just being there and present with those people and just being grateful that they're there. It's yeah. just it's such a cool thing to have. For sure. And that one incident doesn't have to like define you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you're definitely. the... You're- you're the one who hurts the most from it. You know what I mean? I mean, people can, you know, it's like you said, it hasn't been something that's been a huge part of your life having to hear the naysayers or the people whispering in the background. You've had a great support group, but you know, it's the bottom line with it is you're the one who has to grieve. I mean, Mm -hmm. of course it affects her family and they have to grieve as well, but you know, it's not like you're just being like, Oh, it was an accident. Well, you know, it's like, you're fucking grieving. Like this has changed you forever and how you decide for it to change. It's, I don't know if it's up to you, but it's definitely something that you have a, a saying yeah i think it is up to you mm-hmm. definitely it's just you know when you go through uh, and that's the thing as we grow older and older these things are going to happen more often when we were in our teenage years like when it, not, people didn't really die in our teenage years unless like of course you're uh, it depends on the community that you grew up in or the particular environment that you're in like as we're getting older and older and older more of our friends are going to pass away our parents are going to pass away we're going to encounter these um sentinel events in our lives and the piece that is really interesting to me is that when you're involved in the eye of that storm, you know, when somebody passes, the whole world grieves and then they move on. Yet the person that has been, that is very close to it, and that could be not just the person, but the people that are really close to that person when they pass, like that grief just, it continues on and it's still there. And the thing that I've found is that it doesn't, the whole world doesn't move on. It just changes. And they didn't forget about her. They didn't forget about John. There's just changed. And I had put so much on my shoulders to own those deaths. Like I need to, I need to be the one that grieve for these people. But honestly, it's, it's the people around me that also, they can be there for that help as well. And they're also going through their own grief and you have no idea. You just have no idea. Yeah. No clue. Someone's going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is good (laughs) stuff, man. It is good stuff. Do you have anything else that you, that you want to share with us? Anything you feel like you wanted to, you know, share Um, with us? Yeah. (laughs) Way to put it that way. Thank you. I was trying to go deep. I'd say there's one thing that I've learned as far as being, you know, losing two very important people in my life, but also, seeing how other people like john it was a big example of like he if i knew everybody that he most everybody that he was involved with and seeing how that grief was for everyone around even being like one of his oldest and best friends he had a lot of old time good friends and he and best friends and he also had a family that like like the swift family that i was talking about and i do remember grieving and hearing people say certain things that tried to support me and knowing that if I had the courage to step up at the time, I would have said, I don't want to answer that, or I don't want to be asked that question anymore, or I don't want to do that. And there is this phrase that we tend to use in our society so often at the grocery counter. And when somebody loses somebody is, how are you doing? I found that it is so meaningless in the way that we ask it, because if we answer, like when everybody, I mean, how many times probably today did somebody say, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. to you guys probably like at least 10 times and you're like oh i'm doing great how you doing okay great like let's finish this transaction you know and, <laughs> and i've made it a practice to really try and be honest with that and somebody like at the cat and it's so funny because they can't even typically people have trouble even if you're elated and happy if like somebody says like how are you doing like I got to tell you, I am having the <laughs> best day of my life. I don't think I can get any better, honestly. Like, I know it's not over yet, but I have high hopes. You know, I, they just look at you like... Yeah. Well, I meant that as hello yeah. in your bag. <laughs> I mean, all I wanted to know is if you wanted your receipt. So, yeah. And, but the how you're doing piece, like when... And I had wrote, written a poem about this, is that 
people keep texting me or asking me, how are you doing when I was going through it? Like the heavy stuff and like no way to answer it. But I do remember the most important thing when somebody has lost someone was really just to show up and take them somewhere and not needing to talk. And I thought that was just, it's really helped me now as far as being with um, the people that meant a lot in John's life and also meant a lot in Lauren's life, but also be there for in how to approach families that have lost somebody in the hospital. And it literally is, you don't need to say anything at all. You can just listen and just be there as a friend or whatever. And then also for close people, just take them out somewhere if they want to go. If they don't, it's totally cool. Like just being there yeah. and not asking, how are you doing? Because it is the hardest question to answer when you've your whole world has been shattered. Yeah, and I think for for so many people too, they don't. A lot of people don't know how to how to act after someone nah, they know no, has been through something. Totally, we, none of us do. Yeah, it's so awkward. Yeah. So I mean, um, that's just a beautiful thing to say. Like, just be there. Yeah, they just want, be there. Yeah, pretty well. I mean, yeah. there's the people that come up and rub your back, and I needed that. I had a lot of good friends that did that. I had a lot of good friends that just showed up and did their own thing, which I thought was very weird at the moment. I mean, I had a friend that just came to my mom's house and worked on her paper, and I know now that it was because she had no idea what to do, but she just wanted to be there. To be there, yeah. Yeah, and that that meant a lot to me. Like those things, that kind of being there without having to be emotional and say something all stuff like that was has been the only reason I think that I've survived far. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Tyler, uh, we always we always end the show by asking, you know, I think with yours, what it would probably pertain to is wh- what would you say to yourself about, you know, coping or, or dealing with not only the tragic accident of Lauren, but also it sounds like, a, you know, your good friend, John, of, of how to, uh, what would you, just what would you say? I'd say, uh, I'd say a couple of things. The first thing, probably the most important thing I would say is that just make it very apparent and say it out loud when you feel it, um, when you're thankful for the things in your life. And it should be every day by far. There can always be something you find thankful, or there's always somebody in your life that loves you to death, that thinks you're the number one person in the world, and yet you could be down in the dumps. So just, it's very important that we let the people know that, and don't assume that they know that they mean so much to you. If I didn't have that opportunity to tell John that he was such a good friend to me, I'd be a totally different person. And that is just so inherently important, and we don't do it. Like we've had friends, we've had for years that we don't go out and be like, listen, like, I just want to tell you, like, just just stop in the tracks. Do it out of nowhere and just say, listen, I got to tell you, like, you mean so much to me and I appreciate you so much. And I just needed you to know that. Okay, bye. And then just go do your thing, whatever you got to do. Just outwardly say it. Like, it's totally important to say those things. And like, we don't say them. And we, and went being somebody that regretted the moment, I like, I could have just said, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And I was, that was in my head. And she felt it from me. She probably, and she definitely knew it as well. But like, saying it out loud is so empowering. And to see that person react is probably the most, that's, that's what living is for. And do with everybody, do it with your children, do it with your grandparents, do it with your dog, do it with your fish, whatever. Do with your plants, um, but it's very, very important to do. And then, if the second thing is, I would just say, <laughs> all this shit is not that important. Like that pursuit of the next thing doesn't mean anything. There's just going to be another thing. What's so great about the next big thing? It's just an idea. Yeah. Like just enjoy what you got, and you know, challenge yourself, of course. Especially get uncomfortable once in a while. But you know, just take a break from all that. It's from somebody that works his ass off on a regular basis to make sure that like money's in the bank and um, do. I'm getting certified in every profession that could be, <laughs> you know, it is such, such a ridiculous waste of time sometimes because just sitting around talking with your friends is way more beneficial. 
Well, these are life lessons, you know, these are the life lessons. These are the things that you can pass on to people who are younger or even if you're older, it's not about Mm -hmm. the next big thing. Of course, you said, make yourself uncomfortable, try to, you know, achieve your goals and, you know, and be your authentic self. But human connection is, is where it rests, it rests for sure. Or nature connection. Yeah. Whatever is like filling you. I agree. Like, to me, human connection doesn't sound that awesome all the time, but like <laughs> I should spend yeah, more time still. connecting with other things rather than just working. Or, right. You know, that's a much better way to put it. Definitely. Yeah. I think nature is a huge piece too. that. Like I probably didn't give as much credit as I should have, but I mean, finding that silence and just hearing what uh, a forest sounds like, or just walking along I, the coastline is just I think, so amazing. I think you did a good job giving nature props. Me too. You even talked okay. about but, drinking that off that dirt tea. tea. Yeah. <laughs> the dirt tea, yeah. We started off earthy, man, and we ended and, earthy. And then, yeah, yeah I went the healing tea that tastes bad and the swing set and the ocean and the galaxy. So I, yeah. I, I got nature from you for sure. Nature. <laughs> Good. Nature. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. I just – I appreciate it so much. I've it's, it's been a whole – just a whole different – all these feelings. Yeah. I was very sad. Then I was very hopeful. Then I was very inspired. And I just appreciate you sharing with us. I appreciate you giving me the format. I've never really um, had the opportunity to speak in such a, uh, more of an outward media to express these feelings, but I've just been so happy with it recently. So no, it's our pleasure. And it's so important to talk about. I agree. I mean, when it's like what I, when we talked, talked on the phone and we were talking about, I mean, this is like, I mean, it was, I just felt like it was so important for you to, to share your story. I feel like, yeah, I'm just, I feel very grateful that you were able, that you felt comfortable sharing on our platform. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, Cody and I go so far back. We've been through a lot of things and I, yeah. I know that it's really cool to see, like, it's what brought me to this podcast in the first place was honestly the, um, the, just the report and the, the interactions that you and Melissa, the, the two you have, it's just so just igniting to listen to and how well, I mean, you guys finish each other's sentences all the time, but also like the way that you guys communicate and how you approach these subjects with these people that have gone through some heavy shit like it it really touched me i mean that's uh and things like this are what really help people like me kind of open up and get out so you guys are doing really an amazing job so thanks. it's just really well, cool to you. know that it's somebody that's been in my life for so long so yeah i love you dude thanks Tyler. i love you too guy yeah definitely. all right man well, well so we'll we'll leave it at that yeah okay keep doing what you're doing all right, all right. well you have a great night do the same Talk to you soon, bud. Bye. All right. Bye.